0: Hello, folks. I'm Joel Van Hoogen, and this is the Bread of Life. Our program is supported by your gifts, but it's brought to you out of the heart of two ministries. One is the Ministry of Church Partnership Evangelism, where I've been the director for the last 30 years. We're a disciple-making ministry among the nations. To learn more about our ministry, go to cpeonline.org or traincpe.org. The other sponsoring ministry is the Bread of Life Fellowship, where I'm the Bible teacher. We meet in the Old White Church in the Warm Springs area of Boise for worship every Sunday at 11 a.m. Please consider this my invitation for you to come and join us. For now, we continue our consideration of the Psalms of Imprecation or the Songs of Vengeance and Justice. There is an idea that such Psalms are no longer applicable to the person living in the age of the New Testament. But the instincts for justice are the same in every age, though the way that they're expressed may be different. All of us ache for justice, and deep down, all of us hate what we think is not equitable. You know, on that instinct for vengeance and justice, and it's when something doesn't seem to be right, and it's, it roils within us, and it's something that God has put in us, actually. Our understanding of what is just or unjust, as we've said, is distorted. As a result, though, we are not to take it into our hands. Still, there is a song to sing for vengeance and a prayer to place before God for vengeance. But this song and this prayer are to be placed at his feet. This leads us with a question. If this is in my nature and I can identify with the Psalms because it's in my nature, how do I identify it with the Psalms without it becoming a source of great bitterness in my life without aggravating this ongoing heightened temperature where i'm always running at 103 degrees i'm always boiling over and ready to steam over where i'm you know ready to send people to the moon you know how do i embrace this and recognize this is true but at the same time recognize this is in my nature and it's a song to be sung and a prayer to be prayed But how do I adopt that song and that prayer in such a way that at the end, it lingers and falls before the prince of peace and the outcome is not bitterness or ongoing stewing of my anger, but a rest before God, a release before God, at the same time acknowledging that justice is right and it's of God? Well, to answer that question, we've got to go and look at our third point here. And the third point is this. And I think you'll see this as the answer. I hope you're following me here. The third point is consider that David was a type of Christ. That when David wrote, David wrote for himself, but there are many times when David wrote, when David, Spirit of God within David, leapt beyond David's experience, and David broke out to being an individual who was speaking not for himself, but he was speaking for the Christ, the Messiah. Jesus is the Son of David. David establishes this throne that Christ will one day rule on forever and ever. He is a figure. He prefigures. He is a type of Christ. And as such, he not only speaks for himself, but at some point in time, he becomes Christ's spokesman in the Psalms, and he is overtaken by Christ's own passions as he writes. So when David writes, David is not just writing. It's not just David's words. It's God's words. And God puts into the Experience in the words of David, expressions that can only be answered and only be fulfilled and only be testimony to Christ himself. David cannot be speaking of himself in certain passages. You read the Psalms. You say, wait a second. This doesn't square with the life of David I've read. David was not perfectly innocent. No, he wasn't. His son was. See? David didn't suffer like that. David gives a description of suffering, as we mentioned in Psalm 22. He's being pierced, He's being hung. He's describing crucifixion. That can't be his physical experience. It wasn't. Christ had taken over, and Christ was expressing himself through David as he writes the Psalms. If this is the case, then the Psalms are expressions of the infinite justice and compassion, particularly these imprecatory Psalms, are expressions of the infinite justice and compassion for the wrong that are found in the God-man, Jesus Christ. So here's where this song becomes my song. Not when it's my song first, but when it's Christ's song. This is where this prayer becomes my prayer first. Not when it's my prayer first, but when it's Christ's prayer. And he mediates all these things for me. And he's the one who's speaking here. So, first, look at these psalms, these imprecatory psalms, and let them remind you that Christ brings justice to the earth. They reveal Christ's own cry against sin, in his own mind towards the punishment of the sinner these psalms by the way you'll notice almost always have within them an attestation of the innocence of the one who's singing them and this is always the case when we want justice right we always think somehow we're somewhat innocent we don't deserve this is what we sing but it's not really true none of us are completely innocent we all have some compounding part in the crimes that sweep across the earth and the land no no there's only one individual who was perfectly and completely and utterly innocent and yet suffered at the hands of wicked and sinful men, and it was Jesus Christ. And yet in his perfect and utter innocence, he identifies with the weak, and he identifies with that element in all of our lives when we do suffer unjustly. And he identifies with the child who suffers unjustly, and the widow who suffers unjustly, and the... Politically weak who suffer injustly, he identifies with it because he knows, he knows, like no one else knows, what it's like to be perfectly innocent and to suffer injustice and wickedness. And so his prayers are an expression of his perfect knowledge. They are an expression of his hatred of injustice. They reflect his perfect innocence of his perfect, complete, potent longing for justice. And they echo the judgment that will fall upon the earth when he returns with a name written upon his thigh, King of kings and Lord of lords, and with the sword of his word of vengeance coming out from his mouth to judge the nations. These cries that you find in the imprecatory Psalms are expressions that God will have his day and he will bring about justice. Romans chapter 12, you might turn to for just a moment. God uses this promise not to foment a warrior spirit within us, not to foment into an action where we stand up and we seek to defend and destroy and set things right and bring to the balance of uh, the political scene or the world scene some expression of our own imposed justice. God gives expression to this truth in order to cause us to be quiet and wait for God to act. He doesn't deny us the instinct for vengeance. He just says the fulfillment of it lies in me, so let it rest at my feet. Romans chapter 12. Repay no one evil for evil. Well, that doesn't really fit with this instinct within me, does it? Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. Be good to him instead. That doesn't fit with that instinct either. If it is possible, such as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. That doesn't fit with my instinct for justice either. Beloved, do not avenge yourself, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. Thus says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy hungries, feed him, and if he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, you heap coals with fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. I understand your desire for justice. I understand this impulse. It is divine because I am a just God but you are not wise enough nor powerful enough and you are sinful, you cannot enact this and impose this justice, but I will. I will. You turn your prayers towards me and you let them rest there. And then you turn yourself to this other aspect in my nature. I am good and I am kind even to those who resist me and I long to have them be at peace with me. You be the agents of my goodness and my peace. You wait for my wrath. That's what's being said here. That's what's being taught here. The second thing you need to understand yourself, not only is there an echo in these prayers of the justice that God will bring, and so it it comforts us and it allows us to lay it as a song at the feet of our Savior, but the second thing it reminds us is that not only is Christ not coming to bring justice, but it reminds us that Christ has borne the judgment himself already. He has borne the judgment himself already. Before he comes to bring vengeance upon the earth and answers the imprecatory prayers and songs of his people, we have to remember that he already has come once to earth in order to bear that vengeance and that wrath of God against sin in his own self. He's born it all. Every seething note of vengeance that's expressed in these imprecatory psalms fell upon him first and fully. He was the lamb that was slain before the foundations of the earth and Christ has borne it all himself. All the righteous and just divine passion for vengeance that lies in the heart of God and in the heart of people made in the image of God has found its focus and its full complete expression in the punishment and suffering of Christ on the cross. He who knew no sin became sin for us. He bore it all. He bore the load of his own pronounced judgment against sin that is expressed in the very songs that we see in the prayers that we see expressed in these psalms. He set down the load of that judgment and that vengeance upon his own broad shoulders in love, bearing the reproach of sin upon the cross for these ones imprecated against in this passage and for us as well. Christ took all the vengeance of God upon himself, While suffering for us. We must remember that he will forgive his enemies. But he cannot forgive his enemies. Apart from receiving into himself. Their wrath. And their punishment. That they may go free. You cannot ignore these imprecations. If you ignore them and say they don't fit. And they don't work for us. Then you make light the suffering that Christ experienced for them. Absorbing these imprecations upon himself upon the cross. You can't make light of these imprecations because if you do, you stifle a divine instinct that God has put in your own life. You deny your own humanity because you have a longing for justice. You just can't act on them. Instead, you lay them at the feet of a just God and you bring them before a God who has suffered all for everyone. And you say, oh God, bring justice into these individuals' lives There's two ways justice will come for every man. He will come to any man through the cross of Jesus Christ or will come to every man through his second coming, through his second coming, where he comes not to save but to judge. And our longing, heart, desire ought to be, O God, even for my enemies, let it come through the cross, but let it come. Let it come. Let's learn to find Christ in these psalms. Here is the final expression here, just a survey of what we've just talked about. What do these passages teach us here in the imprecatory Psalms where we find Christ? They teach us first that God is unchanged and his attitude towards sin is unchanged. They teach us of God's holy hatred and determination to punish sin, that his holy hatred and determination to punish sin is undiminished. They show us that the ache for justice in our own hearts is not inconsistent with the desire for vengeance but this desire must rest at the feet of the Lord Jesus. They also reveal that vengeance in every age belongs to God and not to ourselves, for only God is just in all his ways. Finally, they open up to our hearts God's attitude towards sin, his hatred of sin, his determination to punish sin, his justice and vengeance against all that are sinners, and that all these things are unavoidable unless he himself makes atonement, and bears that justice in their place. And He has. Oh, God. This calls us away from bitterness in the face of these prayers to celebrations of forgiveness at the foot of the cross for ourselves and even for our enemies. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. Well, thank you for listening to the Ministry of the Bread of Life. To learn more about our ministry, let me suggest you go to one of two websites. First, Go to traincpe.org, traincpe.org to learn more about the work we're doing all over the world to equip and engage the body of Christ in personal evangelism, discipleship, and church planting. Or to learn about our work in your community, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Until the next time, God bless you.